This is Megalone Maniac, a show by, for, and about people who love themselves a little too much. And my name is Isaac, and I'll be telling the story. I'm Marta, and I'll be listening, interrupting, just joking around horrible stuff. Doing your thing. The mathang. Yeah. And today we're talking about how cyclists uh, caused a genocide, or how a 16-year-old prostitute from France inherited most of the money from King Leopold II of Belgium. So cyclists and prostitutes, are we in Belgium or in Netherlands? <laughs> just one of them. Um, okay. So we're just in Belgium and we're also in Congo this time. All right, this sounds like colonialism. It is, it is. And uh, the, the main character for the day is King Leopold II of Belgium. He already sounds like an asshole. And he was the, he's the second because Belgium is a very young country. And uh, he was born in, 1935, in 1835. And Belgium was recognized as a country in 1839. So when he was born, it was not even a, king, a recognized uh, kingdom or a country yet. So who was Leopold I? His father. It was, so he was a countryless king? Yeah, he was given the... Like, he was a German prince. Uh-huh. And they asked him to be king, and then they fought the war of independence against uh, the Netherlands, uh-huh, and then okay. All they, right. break, they broke off. Okay, I see. So he was born in 1835, and he died, died in 1909. And as you know, as you already said, it's going to be about colonialism. It's, it's always the best people that live long, fulfilling lives, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like how long did he live until he was... 70-something? Yeah, 74, right? Yeah. Anyway, let's get to it. Yeah. Belgium, as you know, is a very small country. And he always had a goal for himself to make Belgium a great country. So he wanted a colony. That that was his main goal. And that's the journey we're going to follow him on today of how he's trying to get Belgium a colony. Okay. And just to give you a sentiment of the times, here's what John Stuart Mill said. Despotism is a legitimate mode of government in dealing with barbarians, provided the end is their improvement. So the end justifies the means. Exactly. I mean, I don't think that's such a new, you know. Idea. Yeah, but saying is, is for barbarians, like you can rule them as a despot. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, I don't think that's how we think about, about it today. Is it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, okay, let's let's talk about his family life so we get a sense of and an idea of who this guy is. Okay. What we've talked about before is that usually an absent father leads to craziness. Yeah, like daddy issues in white men are very, very scary. Yeah, it could lead to anything from leading a cult or being a mass murderer. Yes. Like we we've seen, I feel like every white man that we've done that their daddy didn't love them enough. So, hopefully, Leopold first was a lovely, loving father. 
Unfortunately, he wasn't. Leopold II had to ask permission to see his dad because he was busy setting up a country because Belgium was a new country. So uh. it was, he had a lot to do. So he had to ask, ask permission. So that was his childhood. Kind of a loner kid, didn't do much. Uh, but then he was married off to Marie Henriette from Austria. Okay. And that was a horrible marriage. Yes, apparently. it sounds like she has a stick up her arse so deep that... <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is that she cried a lot during her honeymoon because uh, Leopold wouldn't write her let her ride the the gondolas in oh, Venice. No, I no, I like it so much better that she cried because Leopold wouldn't write her. <laughs> That's the image. Why won't you write me? You need to write me like a pony. <laughs> Bareback, please. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, he wouldn't let her ride what? The gondolas. Why? I don't know. It doesn't say why. He just, just didn't let asshole. her. Yeah. He, maybe he was afraid of water. Mm. And she wrote to a friend after their honeymoon saying, if God hears my prayers, I will not live much longer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, not he won't live much longer. Like, I won't live much longer. Yeah. Okay. He also didn't like her laughter. She had a horse laughter, apparently. <laughs> And she loved horses too. So she spent a lot of times when they got back to Belgium, she spent a lot of time with the horses in the stable and she lived in another castle. They didn't even live together. Oh, nice. That's yeah. pretty cool. Maybe she let the horses ride her. <laughs> yeah. And apparently this was a habit of his to say mean things to people, according to his uh, cousin, who was the Queen Victoria of England. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, he was... As you know, Belgium is a small country trapped between France and, and Germany. And it's landlocked, yeah? And no, it's not <laughs> landlocked. You said that in the last episode. You just wanted to say landlocked, I think. <laughs> but they, had, they all had colonies. And he was like, I want my own colony. Yeah, like when I was a kid, everyone had a PlayStation. I wanted one too. <laughs> exactly. And this is, if you're a king, you can't ask for a PlayStation. Yeah. You ask for a colony. I mean, you can ask, but then you would have to like first build a time machine and go to the future and then oh, get yeah, a PlayStation. Of course. Very complicated. It's better to just like genocide. <laughs> yeah, get a colony. Okay, so the first chance that he had to, to get a colony was that his sister married Prince Ferdinand Maximilian of Austria. Prince of Hungary and Bohemia. And Maximilian was asked by uh, Mexican monarchists to come and be the emperor of Mexico. Oh, nice. So he went there and he was there for a while. But in 1867, he was executed. Oh, nice. He was um, executed like a gentleman. He gave all the, the people who were going to shoot him gold coins. And he said, muchachos, aim well. After this, his sister, she came back to Belgium and she went insane. She had the idea that she was going to be killed by poison. Okay. So she got a cat that tasted all her food. <laughs> and then she also spent days talking to a human-sized doll that she dressed up to look like her. And then she talked to herself in third person as the emperor, empress of Mexico. <laughs> Wait, why is the episode not in this woman? Because uh, that's it. She went insane and she, she they locked her away at an asylum and... We don't really... See, like, if a man goes insane, they let him conquer Congo. If a woman goes insane, <laughs> they lock her in a fucking closet. What is this bullshit? Yeah. Equal opportunity to be a maniac. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, we want to genocide as well. We want to conquer countries and be absolute assholes. We want the same right to be assholes. So for all the shit that men have done through the, through the ages now, you just want the same opportunity now. Yeah. Like a carte blanche to do whatever you yes. want now. 
Exactly. Cool. Sums it up. Okay. <laughs> so he had to try like a smoother way. So he thought maybe if I if I have a conference at my castle and I invite explorers, map makers, philanthropists, and businessmen, maybe if I invite them, I present them this idea that I have about the inland in Congo, mm-hmm. because uh, most of the colonies had coastal cities, but not a lot of people wanted like the middle, the heart of Africa. The landlocked countries. The landlocked <laughs> countries. There we go. Yes, finally. So in 1876, he had the Brussels Geographic Conference. And that's a conference that he had at his very uh, nice castle. I've seen pictures of it. Nice. And uh, he invited all these people. And I thought one guy was in particular kind of interesting. All right. He was a German uh, explorer and who had himself circumcised to pass as a Muslim in Sahara. What? And I was just thinking, like, did he do that like a preemptive thing? Did he do it before he went in there? It's like the appendix, you know, if you go to Ever- Mount Everest, they have to take it out just in case. Like if you go hiking or if you go like on an expedition, they take your appendix out just so that you don't die from a stupid thing. Mm. So it's like, mm, I'm going hiking. I'm going to chop my dick off. Or did he like when he faced them like a, at a border control or whatever, he had to pa- pass as a Muslim. But I would think that did he, he just go behind the tent and like snip it and... I don't know. I don't have one, so I don't know how much that would bleed, and I don't know how. Like, I think it has to look like yeah, you haven't. That does. That's not how it works. What do you mean? That's not how it works. How I said it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. You're the one with one of those, you know. Try. Okay, I'll wait for yeah. you. Isaac is right now leaving the studio, and he's <laughs> gonna go circumcise himself very quickly so we can assess the <laughs> likelihood of <laughs> the damages. Yeah. And uh, also there was Thomas. Foxwell, no, Fowl Buxton. What? Also there was Thomas Fowl Buxton, the chairman for the Society of Mitigation and Gradual Abolition of Slavery. Uh, I know you're saying abolition, but everything of that sentence sounded like white old men drinking cognac and smoking cigars club. Yeah, and it also, it's gradual. Gradual. They weren't really sure, like, are we... They didn't really want to cut it off, like go cold turkey on this. They yeah. just like let's continue to have slavery a little. Yeah, it's longer. like a nice way of being like, oh no, I want to abolish slavery, but I want it to happen after I'm dead, so I don't have to like you know, so I can enjoy the perks <laughs> of it now. Yeah. So after this, they started what's later known as International Association for the Exploration and Civilization for the Congo, and this was his philanthropical endeavor to like map the Congo and open it up to free trade and uh, Christianity and the light of European uh, wow. enlightenment. It sounds so nice. I don't think anything can go wrong with this. Yeah. And as a souvenir after this conference, he gave away a painting of himself. And then... A painting? Like each person got a painting? Yeah, each person got a painting of him. And... Uh, so now he had a legitimate reason to be in Congo, where he sent Henry Morton Stanley, the famous explorer. Our friend from last episode. All right. So two assholes meet. Exactly. Great. And now they can be in Congo mapping things. So Stanley was sent to the Congo officially to map the Congo River. Unofficially, unofficially. 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 
he was sent there to uh, to write uh, to to get the chiefs of all the tribes in the Congo. Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, to sign contracts, uh-huh. so they would give all the land away to to Leopold, and even their labor. So they managed to like get translators for every tribe and write contracts in their language so that people could understand them. Nope. Oh. They <laughs> they sent contracts in French. Uh-huh. And Congo at this time didn't have a written language, so. I mean, it's, I feel it's a totally binding yeah, legal agreement. Yeah, of course. Like, that's part of it. If yeah. you don't understand it, then it's binding. The diplomatic language is French, and if you get a contract in French, of course, it's it's legitimate. Nice. So he sent there, and they robbed him of everything, of course. Uh, but the way they did it, they had a few tricks up their sleeves, sort of say. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where the expression comes from. Because what they had is they brought batteries from England, and when they were going to shake hands with the she- chiefs, they had uh, wires connected to this battery. So when you shook hands, the the chief of the tribe would get like an electric current in him oh. from the battery, and that was a way to to like show them the p- might of the white man. Exactly. Oh, God. Or another trick was also to light a cigar with a magnifying glass to show, like, the the white man controls the sun. Mm. So you better obey. um, I'm going to take this from the dollop. Every time you see a white man, just run away. (laughs) Just run from white (coughs) man, please. I mean, it's really hard in Sweden, but you can try. Yeah. So with these few tricks and a couple of bottles of gin, they just, you know, Cleared house. Nice. Everything. So after this small scale trading, you could, like, they started with ivory, which was used for piano keys and fake teeth, stuff like that. But it was kind of a slow process. He was not really, Leopold was not really making any money off of this. Mm-hmm. And it was also not a legitimate claim to the country. Yeah. So I guess that this wasn't enough for him. Oh, no. Because in order to, to turn it into a, quote, real country, it has to be recognized by other people. Okay. So you have to be more liars to, you know, because this is not a legitimate claim. So you have to have someone else to be like, yeah, I see what you're doing and I'm saying it's okay. Yeah. And the first country who said okay was the United States because he sent a lobbyist there and he managed to get Congress to sign a thing saying Leopold now owns the Free State of Congo, which it uh-huh. was called. And then we have... The you would feel that after abolishing slavery in the US and the Civil War, they would be a little bit more... Ah, we've been fucking up with black people enough. Let's, you know, just stick our noses. Like, no, don't stick our noses there. But the thing here was that this was seen as a philanthropical endeavor. Like, he was just... He had still, uh, like, the public image of... So he has a master of bullshit. Yeah. Nice. Everyone was thinking like, this is a great thing that he's doing. It's going to be free trade, Christianity, you know. Oh, so they were all oh, the so like the, Okay, so this is one of the first examples of a uh, white guilt that ended up poorly. What do you mean? Well, because maybe like white people in America were, were felt guilty about slavery, so they're like, oh, let's do something philanthropic in Africa. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- that's one of the things, and the uh, same with Liberia. Yeah. All right. Uh, so in 1884 to 
1885, we have the Berlin Conference. And this is where the European countries takes out a map and divides the continent between them. Well, it was the first of many conferences because it took a lot of time, but eventually it had been divided up. It's like one of the sitcoms in which like it happens in all of them. They put like some like tape on the ground and they divide the room. Mm -hmm, yeah. They did the same with Africa. Exactly. And we also had a Swedish represent there. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a lot of people know about this. His name was Didrik Anders Gillis Bilt. And his last name is, are you familiar with the last name, Bilt? No. Okay. So this guy who went to this conference, he was also the prime minister for Sweden. Uh, and uh, he's also the great-great-grandfather of Karl Bildt, which was the prime minister and our last secretary of state. Uh -huh. So they were l related. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you didn't think that was interesting? <laughs> For our Swedish listeners, that was interesting. Okay. <laughs> so, during this conference, he managed to get Congo recognized by everybody else, and it's 70, 76 times larger than Belgium, and he's now king of the Congo. King of the Congo, <laughs> king of the Congo. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, because I wrote it down here even. <laughs> Mama was queen of the mambo. <laughs> Papa was queen, king of the Congo. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So now he was the sole owner. It was not uh, the Belgian government who owned it. It was a private company owned by the king of Belgium who owned Congo. So it was a private company owning Congo. This is like a privately owned state. Yes, exactly. Nice. And So basically like any state under capitalism, but at least it wasn't hiding it. Exactly. This nice. was, uh, yeah. And uh, he was the sole owner of 20 million people. Oh, nice. So what do you do after you get recognized and you have a colony and you now own 20 million people and a country larger than 70 or a country 70 times 76 times larger than Belgium? I don't throw a barbecue? Something like that. You celebrate. Nice. So he has seemed pretty benevolent so far, right? He hasn't killed anyone. He just wanted a colony, a piece of land for himself. Uh, I have this feeling he's not going to be a nice man. Yeah. <clears throat> well, to celebrate, he went to a whorehouse in London. Nice. And where he paid $800 to have sex with girls ages 10 to 15. No! Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh. Yeah, I know. <sighs> and you know why this was covered up? Because men? Yeah, uh, one man in particular. It no, was the, 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 the patriarchy. Don't fucking hashtag not all men. Okay, me. yeah, I'm sorry. Don't no, fucking you're right. hashtag not all men. You me. are right. Okay. And right. this was covered up because the, the Prince of Wales was also a customer there. Yeah, so men in power doing shit, covering each other's asses. Yeah. Big fucking news. He was 50 years old at this time. Ew. Yeah. I don't care. Like, he was 20. Yeah, no, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, how old he was, how it's... it's oh, my God. I hope he had, like, big cancer or something. Yeah. Well. Anyway, thank you for that, Isaac. Let's continue. Sorry. So, after you've had a colony for a while, you want to show it off to the world, right? Of course. So, you have a world fair in Brussels. Okay. In 1897. And this is the time where he brought 267 Congolese people to be on display in Brussels. Mm -hmm. And they built like native villages and they <laughs> had him on display there. I 
can imagine the native villages. Yeah, it's just how, how is, yeah, I, I don't understand, like, how is this is... I, I feel like Belgium, Belgium was famous for its uh, people's zoos. For like what? Its human zoos. Yeah, really? Yeah, like, I've heard, like, uh, I've heard, like, um, episodes on the dollop about um, different uh, human zoos. Yeah. And Belgium always mentioned, so, I don't know, guys, something to think about there. Yeah. Well, so after the the conference, it took five years until John Dun- Dunlop invented the rubber tire for the for the bike. Okay. And the rubber tire for the bike created this craze around the world because now you saw the use of rubber. It could be used for tires for bikes, later for um, cars, cars uh-huh. and then to use in all kind of sealing things it could use could be used for all these things uh-huh. so rubber became this big craze after 1890 okay and lucky for leopold and not too good for the congolese people the congo forest was filled with rubber trees uh-huh wait rubber comes from trees yes like like apples but instead of apples like tires <laughs> <laughs> no it's the Oh, sob. What do you call it? Um, so sap. sap. It's a sap. Uh-huh. Yeah, so rubber comes from sap. Uh-huh. All right. That's where it comes from. And since Congo had lots of it, you had to make them work to get it. Mm-hmm. So this is when he starts his... Um, it's called Force Publique. Mm. And it's the public force... Mm-hmm. And it's the anti-guerrilla war- warfare force. Anti-gorilla or anti-guerrilla? Guerrilla. <laughs> Anti-gorillas. They had a specific platoon because yeah. of the gorillas. Every time I hear the English pronunciation of guerrilla, it's just... Because I know it's written in Spanish and I know it comes from a Spanish word and it's just like, gorilla. Guerrilla. Guerrilla. <laughs> now I can't say it anymore. <laughs> it was also the occupying force and also the work police. The work police? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Is it sound of la police? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. It's too early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, too early. It's Monday morning. We're doing a comedy <coughs> podcast Monday a morning. <laughs> yeah. Comedy on a schedule. <laughs> and now wake up and be funny. Yes. Okay. And uh, so this army had, of course, white officers from Belgium. And then the rest of the soldiers were black mercenaries uh-huh. from other parts of the countries. Uh-huh. And they were used to quench up prices or mutinies or to make people work and collect the rubber from the trees and collect the sap. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't work, they would uh, hold your wife hostage, for example, or they would whip you with this uh, whip. It was made out of rhino skin. Chicote. Uh, chicote. Yeah. Means and big boy. Yeah. More or less. Mm-hmm. And... Um, since a lot of adults died during this, they had camps for kids because someone needs to take care of the summer kids. camps. Sort of like summer camps, Yay. but you died marching there. Oh, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, when I was going to summer camp, a lot of times I wished I died. 
<laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you would have wanted to go to one of these, though. It was a Christian one, and I know how oh, you feel about God. religion. Yay, religion. Yeah. Like, I feel like this episode has all my favorite subjects. Yeah. Colonialism, racism, sexism, Christianity. And nuns. Or just religion. And nuns from Belgium. Nuns. I mean, I'm not like, I don't really care about nuns specifically. Oh, but particularly. There, there, listen to what the nuns wrote to the Belgian government. Several of the girls were so sick that the sisters couldn't help save them, but they were lucky enough to be baptized. But they were lucky enough to be baptized, and now the little angels are in heaven praying for the king. No, they're. <laughs> oh my god, I hate everything about this. Yeah. Okay, let's just let's just move on because it's making me angry. Okay, so force public also had a manual for for newcomers because a lot of young men from Belgium came down to the Congo to like think they were going to be rich and they were going to be powerful yeah. they also had a manual for living in the Congo and one section was step on. number one do not do not I repeat be black <laughs> step number two if you're black run away <laughs> oh. and one section was how to take hostages and it was so like <sighs> You just, it said, just wait in the village for long enough. They will come back for food and then just take an elderly woman hostage and they will do whatever you want, basically. Oh my God, I hate them so much. You're going to ruin my week. This is going to ruin my week. Yeah, I know. Uh, This is, it's a horrible um, episode to take, but it is what it is. Okay. Do you know what the city symbol of Antwerp is? City que what? The city symbol. Uh-huh. Of Antwerp. A bear? A bear? A bear? A bear? What? In French. Antwerp. Oh, that's how you say Antwerp in French? Yeah. Well, um, no, it's, it's not a, a bear. No. It's a diamond. Well, a good guess, but it's not. It's a severed hand. Okay. But not for the reason you think. It's okay. because of this myth that they had. It's, it's Flemish folklore. Uh-huh. And that a giant was guarding the river there. And then this Roman soldier came and chopped off his hand and threw it in the river. And that's why they have a severed hand. Uh-huh. So I was thinking, maybe that's where they got the idea to chop off people's hands in the Congo. What do you think? I think, you know, I feel like this guy has already his own idea. I don't think he needed much inspiration. Okay. But uh, the army forced public. Uh, they had black mercenaries from the rest of Africa which they gave five bullets each. For every raid, they gave them five bullets. Okay. And to prove that you made good use of these five bullets, you had to bring back five right hands. Wow. So sometimes they didn't want to shoot people, so they just chopped off their hands and let them go, which they thought uh-huh. it was better than to kill them. Well, yeah, it's better than to kill them, but yeah. it's also better to just not, no. To chop off people's hands? Just to not do any of those things that you've been talking about for the last 40 minutes yeah in general (laughs) just none of them things zero of them things no need Mm -hmm. you know because look at the shit that's happening now Mm. none of these things should be done yeah well anyway hands like human flesh they will rotten Mm -hmm. but you had to prove when you got back to your station that you had five hands so it was some 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 guy's job. His job was to smoke the hands to preserve them, like you smoke a ham, you know. So <clears throat> that was his job. <clears throat> so that you would have baskets and baskets full, and people had to carry them around to 
full of severed hands. I bet you one of these perps touched himself with one of those hands. <laughs> he shaped it into something. No, I'm not gonna. Yes. I'm not gonna continue down that line. Yes, I will <laughs> because I have no filter and no boundaries. No boundaries. Okay, we're at the turn of the century. What is it turning into? Shit show? No, well, it's the 1900s, from 1800s to 1900s now. Yeah, so it's turning into a shit show. It is. Okay. So I'm going to call this segment uh, New Girl and Almighty Revenge. Okay, I like it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was in Paris. Okay. And he was smitten by a 16-year-old prostitute. Uh-huh. That he sent someone over to say, like, uh, there's a guy here, he likes you a lot. He, didn't, he doesn't want to say his name, but he likes you a lot. She later found out it was King Leopold II of Belgium. And, and she was like, ka-ching, ka-ching, motherfucker. Exactly. Nice. So she followed him, and they started to hang out together, and they eventually also got married, but he was not recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had uh, two baby boys, or two two boys. Mm-hmm. And one of the second one was um, born with a deformed hand. Was it the right hand? I don't know which hand it was, but it was he was born with a deformed hand. Uh-huh. And a satirical newspaper at the time wrote "Revenge from Above." Uh huh. Well, I mean, but it's not the baby's fault though that his dad is an asshole. Yeah. You know, I would have liked it better if some I don't know just crazed dog on the street bit Leopold's hand off. No, unfortunately it didn't. They tried to kill him, though, in 1902, but they failed. Italian anarchists. I mean, it already tells you everything. Italian and anarchists. (laughs) Like, organized Italians would be bad at killing someone. (laughs) Anarchist Italians must be absolutely (laughs) fucking horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they failed. They shot three bullets, and they shot his... uh, One of his guys. I don't remember which one. (laughs) But they shot him. So out of three bullets, one of them hits your own man? Oh, he No, like not, like it, it one of the king's men. Ah, okay. I thought, yeah. I thought they shot themselves. I was like, <laughs> wow, that's impressive <laughs> even for Italian anarchists. <laughs> yeah, no. And around this time, the world is catching up to what he's actually doing in Congo. One of the things that I read is that he got more bad publicity because of being with a 16-year-old prostitute than killing millions of people in Congo. Of course. But I mean, it's so... How? Why? I, Patriarchy. I, just, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the first one to write about this was George Washington Williams, an African-American military colonel who first fought in the Civil War in the U.S. And after that... For which side? <laughs> Confederate. <laughs> That's what I thought. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he fought in the Civil War. And then he went to Mexico to help the Mexicans overthrow Maximilian. Oh, nice. From the beginning. Uh-huh. So that's the first thing he did. And so they killed off him. So that's one of these guys that we see at the beginning of the movie doing something and we don't realize. And then at the end comes back and fucks everything up. Exactly. Nice. And now he comes back. And he, he later became a historian, mm-hmm. a priest. And a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I feel like people, <laughs> lots of uh, Oh, it was careers. easy before. It was easy before. You said like, oh, I'm a lawyer now. And you were. Yeah. 
And he also went to Belgium as a journalist because he had heard a lot of accusation. He had heard a lot about what's going on in the Congo. So he asked for an interview with the king and he got an interview with the king. Mm -hmm. So he talked to the king and the king said, uh, George asked Leopold about all the money he had spent on developing Congo. And Leopold II said he didn't want any of it back. And George was at first fooled and wrote in his journal about this philanthropical king, about what, like the, the work he was doing for the Congolese mm -hmm. people. But he still had a suspicion. So he went to Congo to check it out for himself. Why, look, trust white men. Just, they're never doing anything wrong. No, unfortunately, he, yeah. So he went to Congo and he wrote like a long piece about the atrocities going on there. Uh -huh. Yeah, he wrote a report, but nobody really read it. Uh, because he didn't have the right hashtags, so it didn't <laughs> get viral. Exactly, it didn't go viral. He had a vi venereal disease, though. Syphilis? No. no, he died of tuberculosis, I think, in Blackpool. Tuberculosis is not a venereal disease. I know that. It was just viral and venereal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but in 1903, the jig is up. They start, more and more people start writing about this. Uh, a journalist, Edie Morell, managed to get uh, the British Parliament to talk about what's going on in the Congo. Uh, the casement report comes out, which is like this long thing. It's very detailed. It has statistics about what's going on in the country, about how many people they've taken prisoners, how many people they've killed. Well, they didn't really have, like records of how many people they killed so like all an the numbers estimate, yeah. an estimate yeah. so people are starting to to like really criticize the king and hating the king of course but I, i'm guessing he took that very well mm, he did not he <laughs> spent most of his time in france because he didn't feel like he was welcome in belgium anymore uh-huh yeah and he also blamed... But France is a weird place to go if you're not feeling very welcome at home because they have a tendency to chop king's heads off with a guillotine. Yeah, you're right. Maybe not foreign kings, though. Maybe. Yeah. And they also made fun of his nose while he, when he was in France, when he was a kid in France because <laughs> he didn't really grow into his nose, I guess. Uh. So, well, but he liked France. And Caroline, the 16-year-old... The she was also from France. Uh -huh, I see. Yeah. But on accusations that all these Belgian officers had just been ruthless and killing Congolese people, he said that they, he blamed the African climate, that that's, that leads to a decline in character. Oh, well, I've always told you I'm a horrible person in Spain. The heat makes me be an angry, angry person. So if I went to the Congo where it's like hot and also like humid, I think I would just... Decapitate someone? At least few, chop a few right hands. No. At minimum. There was this one, uh, Leon Rom, was a particular horrible, horrible Belgian officer. And he decapitated 12 people because he's, his, jar, his yard wasn't swept the way he wanted it. Seems completely reasonable. Reasonable. Another time he ordered a kid in the next village to be killed because a path in the forest wasn't kept clean. What do you think of that one? Well, I mean, that's what forests are for. To keep clean, like, that's, you know, like, that's what you want is a clean forest. Yeah. 
trim that bush. <laughs> so in 1908, he's forced to hand over the Congo to Belgium and not the Congolese people. Like they were, they were outraged. Like the entire world was outraged with him. But when they asked for him to leave the Congo, they didn't give the people. give the country back to the people because white he sold it to Belgium because basically white, because white people know better Isaac why would you give it back to the savages <laughs> give it back to another white man they will know what to do yeah, and they we had fi- it for another 50 or 60 yeah, years so we can fix everything that we fucked up by going there you yeah. know so instead of like slowly retreating and saying sorry so sorry eh, so sorry Yeah. We just like stay there. I'm like, yeah. I will fix you now. Isn't Did that, they? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? No, sorry. They just continued looting and killing and uh, nothing really got better. Yes. So. And eventually in the 60s, everybody got involved. So in 1908, he's forced to hand over the Congo to, uh, to Belgium and not the Congolese people. And the year after that, he dies. Okay. And it's estimated that he made around 1.1 billion dollars in Congo. Wow. In yeah. today's money that is just wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's today's money or if it's back then. Okay. But it's still insane. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. So boys and girls, here you have it, become a horrible horrible genocidal king and you will get rich. Yeah. I and he also In Belgium, he 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 built two museums to to like show how well he did. Nice. In the Congo, the the looting of Congo re- didn't really stop. Others just took over, because in 1961 they become independent from Belgium, mm-hmm. and then the first uh, elected president they have, Patrice Lumumba. It's also said he was killed not long after that. And uh, it's said that CIA had something to do with that. Because mm-hmm. Katanga is, is a very rich part of, of Congo. And uh, they wanted things from there. Mm-hmm. Because in the 40s, the uranium for the bombs dropped over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The uranium was mined in Congo. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just an all-around great story. Like yeah. everything is, everything is nice. Anyway, um, this was horrible. Yeah. Uh, thank you for ruining my Monday and possibly the rest of my week. I am sorry. It's okay. But this is what we do. It's a job. Oh, I thought this is what we do. As in, you're a white male, and that's what you do. Oh, sorry. No, I'm saying ruining your week. Oh, that's yeah. White men tend to ruin their <laughs> week, like everyone else's. <laughs> Isn't there someone special, though, that's making it a whole lot better for you? Yeah, let's not talk private stuff in the Sorry. podcast. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um, there is some white man that can be redeemed. So this f- has been the first episode that we've recorded in a proper studio. At K103, Gothenburg Student Radio. Yes. And we'll be releasing our episodes now first in the student radio. And then afterwards we'll uh, cut them again and release them in the in our usual um, platforms. Wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be there. Yeah.
don't be an asshole and don't let some weird ass thing, you know, just be, be normal, please. Well, as normal as you can be if you listen to our show. So be weird, but within, you know. Stay weird. Yes. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. I've Thank had a great time. I'm glad we're doing it now in the studio. And uh, uh, Me too. Thank you, K103, maybe. I also had a horrible time, though. Sorry. But it was great. Yeah, I had to research this for a week. Imagine me. Oh, God. Anyway, thank you so much, Isaac, for your story. You're and welcome. We'll be back soon with uh, probably another asshole. Bye-bye. Bye.